You heard about the pearl? Yes, I did. What a great fortune. Doctor, the man who brought the sick baby this morning has found a huge pearl. It seems to be true that it's a remarkable pearl. I have talked to five people that have seen this pearl, and they say it is perfect in water and perfect in shape. And there's Poppy or Violet right away. <laughs> Just starting off this podcast with them. Of I course. Guess they, I guess they wanted to do the intro this time. Well, go go on. There we go. <laughs> there we go. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job, little kitty cat. Much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, you keep on saying you're going to quit or for me to fire you. I guess, uh, I guess we have your replacement right there. I'm going to get rid of her. Okay. Um. <laughs> Anyways, we're uh, welcome back. Today we are going to be talking about a story by John Steinbeck, though. I guess, in a way, is it really by John Steinbeck? Because, so the story, um, it was a, it was somewhat of a tale he overheard when he was, when he took a, when he was living for a little bit in La Paz, Mexico. La Paz, La Paz, La Paz, L A. La Paz. Yeah, P A Z. So Paz, right? Um. Anyways. Um. Oh, I, that's how you say it. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, so it, it's it's someone of a folk tale that he he heard, and then uh, five years later, he, he it was when he it was 1940. He was living in La Paz. And then he decided to write it, and then it got published around 1945, and then published, I think, a women's magazine. And then... Yeah, in three sections, I think I read. Right. And then it got turned into the novella, and then apparently while he was writing the story, he knew he wanted to make it a film as well. So in 1947, he made this film with Mexican director Emilio Fernandez in, in 1948, my bad, 1948. And so they made this film, uh, this adaption to, uh, I guess, sort of a, an adaption of an adaption in, in a way, since this it was a folk tale told by the people of La Paz. And so, yeah, The Pearl, or La Perla, as the movie is called, is the tale of... Oh my goodness. Hello, you're really wanting to interrupt. Um, it's the tale of Kino and his wife, Juana, and their child, Coyotito, who are indigenous people of um, on the coast of Mexico. And he is a... Kino he is a pearl diver who... That's how he makes his money. And um, one day, their son, Coyotito is struck or pricked by a scorpion and has poison in his body um they just they try to go to the doctor the doctor's like man these fucking indigenous people never never have money so he doesn't do anything and pretends he's not there and then uh his wife tries to suck out the venom they're not sure if she got out all of it or not and then um, one day when Kino is going, f- doing his job, doing pearl diving, he finds the most perfect 
largest pearl anyone has ever seen. Um, it's called the Pearl of the World. And then basically word gets around that he found this pearl. And the doctor overhears and he's like, oh, well, uh, now I uh, now I can and can actually get money for 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 what I'm for what I'm doing. So basically, the town there the, the, there's the doctor who was greedy, the uh, and and a bunch of other people who who are now after this pearl that Kino has, and Kino just wants to be able to sell it at a fair price so that his son Coyotito can one day become educated and, as he says. Read every book in the world, and read books as large as houses, and and uh, just basically give a better life for his son. You know, hmm. I just want to say at one point it was possible to read all the books in the world. I mean, that's not now, obviously, but that must be interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, it's just based. So it's 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 that's it's a sort sort of a tale of how greed overtakes and basically the thought of uh is this pearl evil is it is it is it a pearl that is causing harm to kino and his family as these people are chasing them and and whatnot and uh in the end a horrible tragedy happens and i don't want to spoil it yet we can get into it later uh but uh highly recommend reading it's a it's really it's a novella it's pretty short you can read it in a day uh highly recommend reading it um before listening to the rest of this if if you want to if not you know you can just listen to us talk about about um how the pearl was adapted from its from the novella into a movie in 1948 so uh this is a story that i read i think in like my freshman year of high school or something but uh i think this was your first time andrea it was. I think it's the first one we've done that I had absolutely no familiarity with, which was kind of exciting. Um, mm-hmm. I've read other things by John Steinbeck, but yeah, first time with this one. And I have some thoughts. Yeah, I mean, ahead. I liked it. It's an engrossing story. My issue is it's almost like, well, Steinbeck is always a very, he writes about the every person and it's always been about the injustice that a lot of people have in their lives and so it fits with that theme but it's almost like the book was suggesting Kino was at fault for trying to elevate his position in life and I saw him as a very sympathetic character I mean there is that moment when his wife is getting really scared about everything happening and she goes to throw the pearl back in the ocean and he catches up with her and then he slaps her and kicks her in the belly and at that point you lose a lot of sympathy for Kino right but I guess that's also just a a sign of the times too you you know used to hit your wife a lot more back in the day well it's a sign of a Um, couple of things Uh, um do you want do you want to talk on that little thing for a moment sure sure go ahead yeah um so yeah, I also felt that like it was just sort of like I mean it's definitely a sign of the times, but it's also uh, these people who are who are uneducated. They obviously do not have schooling, and the most of their knowledge came from uh, like the priest. The pre, but it's the priest was also manipulating, and it's something that wasn't in the movie, which is really unfortunate. And I think it was 
maybe something John Steinbeck was trying to talk about and Kino felt like I am basically I am man you listen to me and and, and I think it was mentioned Juana sort of uh, you know she she felt uh, subservient to Kino because she's a woman she didn't understand why but basically because Kino was a man he was half man half god to her and it it was it was there was something that's mentioned in the, in the book at one point about how basically like the priest was saying that people shouldn't try to like basically better themselves and yeah. um and basically you know stay where you're at you're you're, you're everyone's given their place in in the world and basically in a way a lot of the community was saying that as well to Kino and his family and so really the entire community was was against them to to bettering their lives and and because of that end up causing great strife to his family and you know I do remember that part because I I wrote it down that was my favorite quote from the whole novella is when he says I am a man to her repeatedly and you're inside of her thoughts and Juana thinks him saying I am a man to her struck her as saying both I am God and also partly insane (laughs) and I really loved that yes and it was it's 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 just sort of how um people who are who are who are uneducated and live in a very simple simple world they don't really they don't know anything else it's a town of fishermen and divers and that's how they survive and they're just manipulated by the doctor the priest the the um the jewelers who who were trying to give a price for the pearl um and then just manipulated by by other hunters uh chasing them or just not not really manipulated by them but just sort of like being chased by these hunters and one thing that i like in the book is you don't know who the hunters are and you don't like it's like this it could be anyone in the community like it could be his it could be kino's friends it could it could be the doctor it could be the 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 pearl people but in the movie they show their faces and they uh they sort of they give the people who chase kino and his family i think too much characterization i don't think it really helps at all it's just sort of like i i prefer the there's some dark entity chasing you and it's sort it's sort it really fits the theme of is this pearl evil like you you you, yeah. you it's just these silhouettes that are chasing you and sorry i kind of went off topic about um uh, about about uh, <laughs> um but uh just sort of uh um it's just it, it, i i like the this 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 dark entity that is chasing them and it kind of like it it can come off like almost horror vibes that there is something that is unknown even though like they know it's a person or a group of people and but it's still unknown and it's scary yeah and I was surprised they didn't go that route because this movie as a whole is very beautifully shot and they're already doing a lot of work with shadows and silhouettes. So I thought it would have been pretty in that line to have the men chasing them just in darkness so you don't actually see their faces or any discerning characteristics. That would have added more of that horror element. And I think, yeah, that would have served it well. I think I know why, though. 
Go on. Uh, because it's it's limitations of technology, and so it's 1948 or 47, whenever they shot it, um, and they have to work with natural lighting. And since they're working with uh, film camera, and they don't have, uh, you know, at the time there was no technology to to bring like generators and and shoot lights in the woods or um, and and whatnot it would it would just basically come off like almost pitch black and they may just not have had the opportunity to shoot it that way and and that's like same thing with like uh like during the chase they're not going through the mountains because right they they go through a swamp because i'm assuming that's the location that they had they um and so it would be rough terrain to be filming on if you're at an angle the whole time Right, and especially with the the type of um, heavy camera and equipment that they had at that time, like it was, it would be near impossible. I mean, I don't even think like dollies and like cranes were made, and this is obviously a really low budget, a fairly low budget film for the time, and it just it's a sort of uh, for for older films you have to deal with a lot of technical uh, limitations. You know, the first thing that really struck me about the movie, too, I, when I looked it up, I loved that there was an all-Mexican cast, for the most part, at mm -hmm. least for the lead characters. And then, you know, you also learn that's because the director is also Mexican, because I think if Hollywood would have done it, it would have been a bit different. Um, but I, that made me really respect John Steinbeck, that he chose to work with a Mexican director, shot on location in Mexico. And he also co-authored the screenplay. Apparently, some of his input was not always welcome because he was one of those people that always showed up and gave opinions. But I thought that was a really cool thing that they actually chose to be true to the original folk story. And that's why I think, for in a large part, it's a very good adaptation. There were some changes I didn't quite understand. Like, I think in the movie, Kino comes off a lot dumber. I agree. Because, like, okay, in the story, you have, you know, they get the jewelry, the pearl appraised, and he's not offered enough money, so he says, we're going to go to the capital and get a better answer there. And then he's lying in bed, and he hears something outside and gets attacked, and that's the first time people really start trying to attack him from the for the pearl. Whereas in the movie, he's off getting drunk, and these guys are trying to lure the location of the pearl from him and they're searching all of his stuff and at one point you know, they cut his necklace pouch off and look in there and then Elaine, uh, sorry, Juana saves the day and she has taken the pearl from the hiding spot to keep it safe. But in the novel, he never revealed anything. He actually, it was really funny that scene when the doctor is trying to see if he'll look where the pearl is in the novel mm -hmm. and he sees Kino look in a certain direction but then it's moved the next day because Kino seemed very on top of it where the book was concerned yeah Kino though like you know he's, he's not he, he's not book smart like the doctor he he under, he still understands people and he knows when he's being mistreated by the by the dealers he knows when he's being tr mistreated by the doctor though the doctor in the book is a little bit more manipulative it, it, it basically he, he he poisons the child um he poisons coyotito 
so that he can come back in like a couple of hours with the antidote and and basically say hey you 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 need to you need to pay me now is 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 what the doctor did and and it's just sort of i i wish they would have dived more into a bit of those characters and i wish they would have done the priest i wish they would have done the priest as well because i think it was it's it's a nice thing and it sort of is a way um not trying to go too much into like religion and stuff talking about this but it's just sort of how religion can manipulate the poor and the uneducated to just basically um be their soothing blanket and be the thing that uh you know wh- when when bad things happen to you it's it's because of something you did and so then come to the church and give us money and 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 whatnot and like the like what was it, it was like when the priest found out that he had a pearl the first thing that popped in the priest's mind was oh have i married these two because basically he's trying to do this to officiate the wedding so that he can make money and yeah so it's it was it's like all these people and um whether they knew it or not were manipulating them the only people that really had their back was um kino's brother juan thomas and his wife and it's uh i don't know i i i I really like this story it's simple but it's 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 well done i so that was another change that i thought was interesting you have what i took in the novel to be a very good sense of community Mm -hmm. you know as soon as the scorpion stings coyotito the whole village comes with them to the town where the doctor lives to see if he'll treat the boy. And they're there for, you know, when they go to get the pearl appraised, everyone's with them. And part of it might be curiosity, and part of it is, you know, back then, there were not TVs in every house to keep people entertained, so everyone was just being nosy about each other's business. But Well, also, like, small communities, you're, it's basically your extended family, and everyone yeah, was there exactly. to help one another. Because in the book, it's like, basically coyotito was like crying so harshly that everyone in the other uh bush bush houses could hear it and were was woken up and they wanted to help in any way that they could yeah and like you said you don't know who is attacking the family for the pearl but in the movie it it's suggesting that it's fellow villagers a lot of the time the guys who get him drunk Mm-hmm. You know, they might be under the employ of the appraiser, which is the direction the movie went in. But the novel seems to hint that it's not necessarily the people they live with as well. And then in the movie, yeah, they're getting him drunk and trying to manipulate him into telling them the location. And it kind of just seemed like the community was a lot more uh, vindictive than I got the sense from the novel. Yeah, um... And that's where, like in the in the novel, I I, I like the ambiguity. Um, yeah. Because it's sort of you're you're still trusting the community, but you're still not entirely sure. Um, and it's it's even like after the appraisers 
are uh, like say that oh this is basically fool's gold um and some of the community was like maybe it really is not really that great of a pearl and they're being manipulated i mean it was showing how gossip works too because for a lot of the novel they're backing him and they're like oh he's he's got this great fortune he found this pearl and then as soon as the appraisers say it's not worth that much they're like oh well maybe maybe we were all wrong you know and then they start saying like oh you know i did notice it shimmered a little weird and like that's just i think the nature of people they kind of backtrack on on things as well yeah also if if you if there's someone that you think is smarter than you and they say something then sometimes you no longer trust your own judgment anymore even though right Sometimes these people are just trying to mess with you so that they can get a really cheap price on something so they can make a lot of money. Yeah. I did like in the movie they when okay, so there are two instances of just showing how easy it is for people to get swindled when someone in certain positions tries to swindle them. So you have, you know, the doctor coming in and saying, Here, listen to your son's heart and Kino looks so shocked, like, oh, that sounds strange. And then his friend's like, but listen to your own heart and see if there's actually that big of a difference. And then, you know, that was kind of a moment of realization for him because he had just never listened to a heartbeat with a stethoscope before. Which also could be a nice metaphor that he needs to listen to his own heart. Ah, look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And then, you know, when they're looking at the pearl and the one of the appraisers is like, hey, why don't you try with the magnifying glass and you'll see how weird this pearl looks up close. And then he and Juana start looking at each other with it and realizing everything looks kind of weird zoomed in. And that was actually kind of a cute moment where they're both looking at each other and laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that because there's not a lot of levity in the story, so it, it kind of needs those moments to lift it up. And then... Oh, actually, I really liked the whole community dance scene because, okay, that's one of my favorite parts throughout the novel is they're talking about the music always in the back of Kino's head um, and hearing the sound of his family, the song of the pearl, and how these things kind of change over time. And, you know, the pearl goes from having this promising music to this music of something evil when it's caused their lives to derail. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't get... You know, it's. I think it's also typical of soundtracks at the time. There's not so much of background music, but during kind of intense moments or scene changes, you have this swelling of music, but it's not the way soundtracks are used today. And so instead, you kind of just get this moment of the community's dancing, and it looked like the best party ever. Oh, yeah. I, wanna, like, I, wanna, I, kinda wanna, I would love to be there. <laughs> right? And, like, I want to put on this costume full of sparklers and run at people like that looked like a good time <laughs> also that scene had some of the best shots in the entire film <clears throat> like there's like yeah. the line of like women uh it was I, I it's just appearing in my head but there's like this real really nice line of michael like, likes a line of women <laughs> no it's just the way it's shot like there it's just like I'm just um, i mean you know i'm not gonna say no <laughs> but uh um <laughs> It's just the way it's shot where, like, they're just, like, all standing, like, one after another in this, like, nice line that sort of goes into the distance a little bit. And it was just, it was shot really well. And also the the contrast of shadows on their faces with the light yeah. of the fire. It was just, it was really nice. I liked that a lot. You mentioned it earlier, but the whole, like, uh, 
the people making him drink and stuff like that just was unnecessary and really messed with Kino's character and it was just a strange little addition. I don't know maybe the director or the screenwriters or whatever were trying to say something about it like don't get too drunk because people are just gonna try to steal your shit. I don't really know um, where they were fully trying to go with it but it really wasn't completely necessary. I don't either. Part of me thinks that the novel itself doesn't have a lot of dialogue and I actually I thought it really spoke to especially their marriage that they don't talk a lot but they communicate with each other so much through body movement and they know each other so well you know like when the novel first starts Kino wakes up and he knows his wife is making the corn cakes and he knows exactly what she's doing because she's done the same routine every morning and they're not even talking to each other, but they're both aware that each other's awake and present. And I really liked how that worked. So I think part of it is because you're not getting a lot of these internal thoughts and these observations you do from the novel, they kind of didn't know how to show the start of their disagreement of what they're doing with the Pearl and just kind of the tension between them once the Pearl came into their lives. I, other than that, I'm not really sure why else they would. Yeah. I mean, I, it's also sort of a, it's only been about two decades since the first feature film of, uh, of, uh, of, of a talkie came about. So a lot of these early films wanted to do a bunch of dialogue and sort of, uh, you know, basically the talking is what keeps it interesting. Um, you'll see it a lot with like, 40s and 50s films as well but I think the movie could have played better without all the dialogue and and kept it like how the 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 book is the 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 very the very simple dialogue the using body language and and uh the way things are shot to to uh, tell the audience what a character is thinking or or feeling, um, I think it would have been real nice. I mean, what if, uh, 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 it, for some reason it's popping in my head, but like, you know, I think I'm, pre I'm pretty positive you've seen this film, um, Valhalla Rising, where I think there's only like 13 yes. lines of dialogue in like a two hour film. And that's like, that was like shot in like what, I think like 2006 or something, somewhere around there. And uh, I mean, that's just sort of anything by, um, what is his name? Refn, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, well. <laughs> but uh, it's it's not every film or in every story needs a lot of dialogue, and you can tell powerful things without dialogue. And I think this is a film that, if someone were to readapt it, and I think there is a recent readaptation, and it's like with a bunch of white people, and I'm like, what the hell is going on with this? But um, of course. Yeah, and I've like heard that, that changes the plot dramatically. Really? Yeah. Um, so that's fun. <laughs> it's just stupid. Keep things. I don't know. But it's. Uh, I would. I would like a. If I were to adapt this film, I would like to to make it um, very atmospheric, as the book is very atmospheric, and it's. Yeah. It's. It's. Uh, 
there's certain stories that need to be told that way. Not saying that the, the, the 1948 film is bad in any sort of way. It's well done, but it's uh, just, you know, it's all the extra dialogue isn't needed. And if you can, if you can tell a story, I'm, I'm personally of the belief if you can tell a story with less dialogue, it's, it's better. Um, though, I mean, there are true you know, writers and directors who can pull off fantastic dialogue, obviously Tarantino and, um, plenty of others, but I, I like things with less dialogue and, you know, you're just sort of watching things play out because in real life, and especially cause it's like a John Steinbeck and he, he focuses on, on reality. Um, in, re- in reality, there's not constant dialogue. And the dialogue, yeah, it definitely wasn't one of the strengths of the movie. It still wasn't as bad as, I'd say, a lot of modern movies that, you know, do over-explaining for the audience. Where they're like, you know, our aunt and her back surgery from last month. And just things that people never actually say. Um, (laughs) This is my brother Juan Juan Thomas. We grew up together. He's the one who (laughs) taught me how to fish. I caught my first bass when he lent me his hook. <laughs> and then the fishing comes to play later. But yeah. Dun, it, dun, dun. <laughs> fishing saves their lives. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah, I, I also did, just for some reason I just remembered they didn't do anything with like the canoe in the movie as well. Um, and how like. Oh, that makes me bas- so mad. Yeah. And uh, it was like, <laughs> I forget exactly what Kino said, but it was like basically like. It was worse that someone harmed the canoe than like harming a man because a canoe c- cannot fix itself. A canoe cannot heal. Um, yeah. And you've you've and it can't defend itself. It can't defend itself, and basically, like you've ruined its entire purpose of of its existence. So. And that was one of those times. Like it's such a fascinating and lovely bit of character development for him because, obviously. Things are happening in the story where sometimes you judge him, sometimes... I mean, honestly, other than hitting his wife, I was like, this seems like a very sensible thing for a person to do is find this treasure and then want to use it to better their family. And then you get this moment of... This is after, you know, Wana tries to throw the pearl and then he gets attacked and they need to get out of town and his brother hides them for a night. He goes to get the canoe... And the canoe, someone's put a hole in it. And this has been in his family for generations. And every year he varnishes it to protect it. And this is his most prized possession. And then someone just puts a hole in it. And that's his whole livelihood essentially gone. And I love that moment where he's heading back from the beach. And it says that Kina would never have thought of just taking one of his neighbor's canoes. That's just not how this worked. Like, he would never have just stolen someone else's to get away. And... That also spoke to the way these communities are of like, someone in the community probably didn't do this to his canoe because all of their canoes mean this much to them mm-hmm. and their whole lives depend on these canoes. Um, yeah, I thought that was really nicely written. I'm glad you expanded upon that. That was a... Uh... Well, look, our title is Novel Ideas of the Illiterati. We've got some Illiterati among us who probably don't read the story, so I'd like to let them know <laughs> in case they're in that camp. No judgment. No, not at you all. Know, um, a little bit of summary. 
But uh, I'm probably gonna start going into like you know the big the big spoiler of the end. So if if you are someone who wants to read this, I recommend pausing here and coming back later. But so they're 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 being chased out of the community. They're trying to they're trying to get to the capital and sell off the pearl, and um, they're going through the mountains and whatnot. And these people are chasing them. And Kino decides that the only thing that he was going to lure these people into the cave. Um, I think I believe that there's three of them that are chasing them, and yeah, so that he can, so that hopefully Juana and and Coyotito they can take the pearl and get to the capital. And if if Kino dies, then they can still live a happy life. So he lures them into the cave. They have a little rumble and tussle. Uh, shots are fired by by the men. I believe Kino gets hit once, and then I believe he, if I'm, I might be remembering that wrong, and and let me know if I am in the book. Uh, he pushes one of the guns, and it fires, and it like shoots out of the cave, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And um, so he he defends off these people, but then when he gets back to his wife and Coyotito, Coyotito's head is basically blown off and in defend trying to defend his family and through an accidental mishap his son dies and then him wanna wanna carrying uh coyotito back they go back to the village and um are distraught and uh, uh it says that the the pearl has become muddy and it's no longer beautiful and it's it's it no longer shimmers like it once did and so then kino throws the pearl back into the ocean um which is basically how i interpret it like i mean you you could one could say oh maybe it wasn't uh, not really that great of a pearl but i i I see it more of all this shit has happened he's lost his son the the pearl was a representation of um the the hope for his son's future and now that his son's gone the pearl now no longer has a meaning anymore it's no longer this this beautiful thing to take his family out of their circumstances and, and give them a better life really sad sad tragedy ending um and in the end they just have to go back to the life that they were living before without their son and without a pearl and without a canoe and without a canoe it's just their life became worse after finding this pearl and really it's not and, and it's not really the pearl's fault it's it's everyone else around them who 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 were seeking greed and trying to just manipulate these this poor uneducated family to to give them the pearl or take the pearl or obviously I, the movie was different it's all done on the on a cliff near a beach at the end um obviously location it's it's probably the reason for that and it's it, what was it it was like it was there was a really weird like it, for me it felt weird um uh when the the t- it was it was m- the pearl appraiser that was chasing them right or or am i 
Or he hired men to chase them. He had two men with him that were obviously of the community. Yeah. What is it? It's like the two men and then the appraiser. Oh, one of them is just like, oh, man, he's going to kill one of them. I'm going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you, you didn't yeah. realize he was going to do that when he was been carrying around a rifle this entire time. Um, <laughs> uh, and instead of it being Kino trying to protect and, and pushing the gun and shooting off, uh, the appraiser just shoots the gun up into the cliff and it kills the kills Coyotito. So a slight differences there, which I think it's obviously the book's a bit more powerful in this or um Marquino tried everything that he could to protect his family and in the end him trying to protect it was the reason why his son got shot. Yeah. And I thought in terms of like greater meanings too, I kind of saw that there might be this message of you know, there are a lot of people out there who put career success over all other things and you know sometimes they trade that in lieu of family so I almost saw it as the pearl getting muddy too this is just to go back to something you said a while before but no it's good. go ahead I kind of saw that as like the appeal of wealth and success gets a bit dimmer when you realize how much you've given up along the way Especially if you've alienated yourself from family and friends. Especially because of who John Steinbeck is and, like, the theme of a lot of his other works. He doesn't have a lot of regard for rich people, and I respect that. Um, But it kind of just seemed to be one of those things of, like, the allure of that sort of lifestyle might be less once you know all that comes with it. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of crooked, wealthy people in this story as well. Right. I I think that's one way of looking at it because it's like what he could have taken the lesser money and it's it's said that it's yes it's lesser but it did uh it would have been enough for his family. Yeah, and it's more money than they'd ever had before too. And I think you're you're right. Sometimes it's where your dreams and aspirations take over and you can it's hard to let go of that dream at times and yeah it's it's uh when 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 harmful things are happening but uh, it's still i think that like in my mind the strongest point is that all these people the greed around him is what is what really caused his family pain um i wouldn't even really claim it's 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 kino's greed because I mean, is it really his greed? He's the one who found this pearl and just wanted to, you know, get something, get a fair trade out of it and get a better life for his family. Oh, no, I'm with you. I I found Kino's actions very sympathetic, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I honestly thought it was one of those things where, you know, you could discuss that there was some magical element to the pearl, that it brought evil energy with it. But it almost seemed like, Juana's objections and her fear of it she could have been seeing what the greed was doing to people around her early on but it almost just seemed kind of there as a setup for when they do eventually end up discarding it in the ocean anyway that like ah she knew all along you should have listened to her but really he's doing very sensible things 
and yeah. trying to actually get the value for the thing he found. Right. And I, I, for me, I don't see the pearl as a, as a magical thing. I see it as the pearl um, shown light really on everything around them. They didn't realize how manipulative the the doctor was. They didn't know how manipulative the priest was. They didn't know how manipulative the the appraisers were and the steps people would go to take what they have because they've never had anything before and it's sort of when you when you step outside of the um, i guess for lack of a better word um a class even though technically they never really went up in a class but having that pearl everyone considered them rich especially more so in the movie it's uh you start seeing what these people that you probably once wanted to be like uh, what they actually are and what really drives their lives and and deep down they're just full of um personal gain it was really just early haters (laughs) yeah just a bunch of people who didn't like the the uh the indigenous people of the land and they uh w- wanted them to what was i think in the movie that it was it was great where um it is one thing i liked that they sort of they added where when the appraisers are all together and um they're seeing the community you know celebrating and uh having a good time they're like oh no what yeah. happens if it would be horrible if these people had money basically is what they said it was like uh what sort of world is it if they if they too can i don't remember how they worded the last part of that phrase but like what kind of world is it if people like that can make it to where we are or something like that mm-hmm. um yeah that was a good scene and you know okay i was very pleasantly surprised by how good underwater filmography was back then especially that scene where he's diving for the pearl it was uh-huh. it looked really good oh i mean well it's not like they, they didn't shoot it underwater they they had to have used a tank there's no way they um the technology at the time would have allowed for um for that unless there's one thing that no i don't even know if they, they could have done that because i was thinking like the only way they could have done it is if they got like a glass box for it mm-hmm but I don't see how they could have done that shot unless they they made a tank and and put the sand and everything else in there. So and shot it from the outside. That's the only thing in my head that can that makes sense to how they shot that. But no, it looked great. Hmm. It was actually one of the best shots um, besides the 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 celebration scene. Um, it uh, it was definitely one of the best looking shots in the entire film. And speaking of, okay, so I was trying to find information about the movie just to get more background knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. I found this blog where someone was talking about how unrealistic movies always make how people uh, how long people can hold their breath, and it's random to call it a blog during this, but they're mm-hmm. very wrong because. Well, A, especially in a community that relies on diving, people learn to hold their breaths for a very long time. Um, Mm -hmm. 
this is going to be something of a tangent, but I had a class at UGA where the professor turned out to be a fellow Romanian, which was cool. And it was a class I definitely just signed up for because I needed an extra credit that semester. And it ended up being the coolest class I ever took because this teacher uh, was an anthropology major and you're supposed to go live with a, a different community from yours for a while to write your thesis. And he said a lot of people would go on Native American reservations or write about that, and he wanted to do something a bit more out there. And he actually was in China at one point and saw a man who looked different than everyone else who couldn't speak any of the languages my professor knew, which apparently were quite a lot at that time. And he kind of just drew him the uh, diagram of what the stars in the sky looked like from his island. And anyway, it turned out to be oh, a cool. very... I know. It was a very little-known island kind of a ways from Taiwan, but just pretty, very isolated. And he went and lived with this community. It turned out it was going to be just for this thesis, and he ended up staying there a few years. And this was a culture that relied on growing yam and catching fish daily. And so the men there, I mean, they were diving for many minutes at a time because they had to do this every day or their family didn't eat. Um, mm. Anyway, it was a really fascinating course, but that's where I learned how long people can hold their breath for, because that was really impressive to me. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, if someone's trained to, like, hold their breath, like, you can hold it for a while. I mean, I know in the book it said Kino could hold his breath for, I think, like, two minutes. But yeah. there definitely are people that can hold it for way longer. Um, like, there's, like, a... I'm wondering if... Because like, I've read about... Um, I'm wondering if, if, if your professor was at this place that i've i've heard about where um like I've, I've read up on like a bunch some japanese um free divers who could like hold their breath for like eight minutes like it's something insane i think like maybe a minute i can hold my breath underwater uh i was definitely better when i yeah. lived around water um growing up but these days if i if i could hold it for for a minute i'd be proud of myself exactly um no but you know it's interesting they weren't it, they weren't Japanese, but the only reason he ended up being able to understand what they were saying is because during World War II, the Japanese ended up discovering this island um, gotcha. as they were, you know, trying to take over China. And they took two of the villagers back to Japan. One died making the voyage, but the other one came back knowing Japanese. And my professor knew Japanese, and he was the first person to really write down their alphabet. That's he was dope. a really cool dude. I know. And so... But, okay, so this is going to be a bit of a sad story, but it kind of just shows the way these communities function because there is this beautiful sort of um, helping each other that extends to, I mean, just things we wouldn't fathom living in our modern society, but it. I was thinking about them a lot reading this novel because there is this sort of awareness they had about their surroundings that you don't when you're inside all day, mm -hmm. and... Like we said, you know, there are certain things they were foolish about being uneducated, but I found it very true to people that are in their element outside constantly that Kino always woke up or was aware when someone was sneaking around their house. And mm -hmm. I heard that a lot, both from this professor and I had a professor at Emory who lived among this Amazonian tribe for a while where they were just kind of in this hut one night and this shaman, this female shaman just said, 
there's a tiger across the river and they all go outside and there's an actual tiger there. Like there's just kind of this sort of awareness of your surroundings. I know. Um, And the uh, island that my professor lived on, they had apparently about 14 different names for types of wind, depending on where it blew from. And like they all just were aware of what kind of wind it was. Like that's just such a cool thing that you know, as a homebody, I can't even begin to understand. I'm just like, wind is wind, you know? I don't know that much about it. Um, yeah, I, I have... But yeah, uh, there was this I, day... Um, I have different... Oh, sorry, go um, on. I have different names for, for, for when the air conditioning's blowing at different speeds. <laughs> um, but there was this beautiful... This will be the last thing I share about this, but it's just one of the... I don't know. One of those stories you hear that you never forget where... So all the men were diving one day because the women would stay on the island and tend to the yam and then the men would all go and dive. And one day this man gets his foot stuck in the rocks and he no one can get him loose. And while they're trying to figure it out, literally men would alternate going up to the surface, taking gulps of air and coming back down to breathe air into his mouth. Holy and that fuck. didn't that extended his life a bit. He still ended up dying, and they had such a fear of death that as soon as he was dead, everyone backed away. But it was just so beautiful that up until the moment he died, they were doing literally everything to keep him alive. Um, Damn. Yeah. yeah, that's like... There's really cool shit like that with like various indigenous cultures and um, how they... Based on whatever they do to survive, they... They're just way better at it than any average person. And Oh, for sure. <laughs> I I love indigenous cultures from like from anywhere. So, I mean, it's uh something that I wish we would learn more about instead of focusing on governments and shit like that, but that's cool. Very thanks for true. that story. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Man, I got to thank my professor. I hope he's still alive. He was very old when I took this class. Um, but yeah, really amazing human. Um, cool. But yeah, uh, it was a it was a good story. Thanks for recommending this one. I don't know if yeah. I ever would have heard about the pearl. <laughs> no, it's just like it's just like when we were talking about like books and stuff that um, influenced our reading. This was definitely one of them. It's just sort of at least like, especially like in a um, education setting, I. I just really enjoyed this. It just felt um, like it had really good, to- good, good message. It had um, like sometimes uh, like I, I, I actually like because the first thing that I read by John Steinbeck was Grapes of Wrath, and I actually don't really enjoy it all that much. It's not really my favorite. My um, and 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 maybe we can do it one day. My my favorite uh, story by him is East of Eden. You don't like. The constant turtle talk. God, that's the thing that pissed me off the most was that. Like, <laughs> it was like every other chapter, it was like pff, pounding turtle, your yeah. head in with a bat about how, you know, <laughs> these people moving to California are basically like turtles with their homes. And it's like, we get it. We fucking get it, John Steinbeck. Like, I like, St- like Steinbeck's metaphors are usually fun. Like, he did a little bit of them in, in, in this novella, but it was just like fuck off with this turtle <laughs> it's like, <laughs> i get it like you, you you had your one chapter early on that had it but now it's like f- four five six chapters just about a turtle and it's 
it's like we don't i i i i, I now just want to have like turtle soup or something and and, and kill <laughs> oh this <my> turtle <laughs> <laughs> so oh. but yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it like yeah it's like it's not the most complex story like it's it's simple but I was about to say it's not complex. It's simple, but I think it is a little bit complex in its simplicity. It's sort of like how Ernest Hemingway's stuff is is complex in its simplicity. And I I enjoy a nice, um, simple story from time to time. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so what are we reading next week, Andrea? Are we doing Fight Club? We're, uh, we're either doing that or Perfume. I thought we were doing Perfume, but, you know. You can do either one. I, I like both. <laughs> <laughs> These are both my recommendations, and I'm jazzed about either one. Um, let's do let's do Fight Club because I feel like after this, maybe it, we should go back to something more people might know. Yeah, that's for fine. the week, and then because Perfume's pretty, it's a pretty you know lesser known work. I wish more people knew about it. The writing. Yeah, is I didn't know lovely. about it. I didn't know about it until you mentioned it. So. It's a de- nice demented little story. <laughs> yeah, I mean we can always do perfume uh, perfume another time. So, yeah, let's do Fight Club. Well, obviously that means we can't talk about it, but well, we'll, we'll do yeah. our best to talk yeah, around we'll... it. Mhm. We can't talk about Fight Club. We'll uh-huh. be talking more about Helena Bonham Carter's cheekbones coming back I for mean, another week. Hey yo. <laughs> fuck yeah. I am so down <laughs> anytime I get to see that that beautiful beautiful woman. I I'm a happy boy. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down to clown with us. So, yeah, that should be fun. So Good everyone, Fight Club. Uh, reread Fight Club, rewatch Fight Club. You know you enjoy it. Um, Can't wait to see uh, Meatloaf again. Good old Meatloaf. Can't wait to see Jared Leto get punched again. <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> he definitely does. Anyway, um, but yeah, okay. A bit of unsolicited piece of advice before we leave this week. Everyone, if you win the lottery, don't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Just from me to you. Don't tell a single person. No one's your friend. Don't trust them. Maybe your mom and dad, but even they probably hate you. So I don't know. Well, you do know... Use your discretion with that. You do know the stipulation with the lottery, right? Oh. If it's what you're thinking about... You actually do you have don't. to tell. You don't? In Georgia, a young lady won and asked for permission to remain anonymous and they allowed her so now that's that's something that is allowed in georgia is to anonymously win but even if you're in a state where you have to go with the wig and then change your name you know change up your appearance wear some big sunglasses no one needs to know who you are oh yeah that's what i would do i would change my name before um taking the prize uh and dye my hair and and um you know, probably get like a nose job or something. Contrary to what spy movies tell you, men can change their appearance too. It's not just female spies dyeing their hair in the sink. <laughs> uh, but anyway, join us for rem- Fight Club next. Sorry, week. <laughs> now now it's in my head. Is there is there a is there a film adaption of of the lottery? I don't know. I've never heard of the lottery. You never heard, you don't know the lottery? Mm. The the. the where like it's like a small community and there's like a lottery that's done like every year and basically whoever wins the lottery is the community's sacrifice to like some god. That sounds like the world's shittiest lottery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um Ah, oh, damn. 
Well, spoilers. But speaking of cool fellow Romanians, there is someone... That, again, our outros, they're going to get longer and longer. If you're still here, just leave. But there's a Romanian guy who figured out some sort of algorithm for winning the lottery, and he realized if he spread out $10,000 evenly to just buy $10,000 worth of tickets, the odds were very likely that he would win, and he was right. Well, um, if only I had $10,000, I could do that with, so... Uh. Also, I'll find his name, sue him, not me, if it doesn't work out. I'm not telling you what to do, I'm just telling you what he did. Uh, <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing you it's gonna work, but... Definitely tell me guy, about so. it. I'm gonna get a, uh, I'm gonna get a bank loan. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> and then if it doesn't work out, now I'm $10,000 in debt, it's, so... <laughs> oh, well... <laughs> Add it to my student loans. Exactly. Can you just charge it to your student loans? That would be great. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll uh, see y'all next week, and we'll be talking about, or not really talking about, you know, Fight Club. Yeah. yeah. Um, Till next time, uh, stay safe. Read a fucking book. Read Fight Club. Yep. And, uh... Oh, good lord. I'm looking forward to talking about Fight Club because I have some stories oh, around me it. Too. I have some stories <laughs> around it. So I have some scars around it, too. <laughs> cool. See y'all on the flippity flop. Bye bye. They left Juanito under a little pile of stones in the mountains, and they came back to their home. The old men say they moved like sleepwalkers through the village. And the pearl, which had been hope and beauty, was turned to ugliness and greed and death and loneliness. <laughs>